Welcome to the People Analytics and Future of Work podcast with Al Adamson. Hi, welcome back. I'm here with my longtime friend and colleague, Joe Grohowski of One Model. Joe, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Al, and yourself? I'm doing well as can be under these times. Here we are approaching late April 2020. It's a strange situation, but we're marching on and you're in the Philadelphia area. Is that right? I am. Yeah, it's been maybe a month since we've been quarantined and tough time because spring's here and it's beautiful weather, but everybody's locked inside. Everybody's locked inside as they need to be at this time. Despite that, we're continuing to do some work. And what we're going to talk about today is not technology necessarily, but we're going to talk about people analytic success and how that is created. So you've done some research on this topic recently. Do you want to share an overview of it? And we'll dive right in. Oh, sure. So it may be relevant and interesting. The background behind this research was began at a guest lecturing spot I did at a local university here in Philadelphia. A colleague is head of HR curriculum, and I was speaking to one of his undergrad classes, just providing some insight as to what I've seen over the last 15 years in the people analytics space, both from a practice, a process, a technology perspective, that sort of thing. And I shared with him what I saw, in my mind, to be shared common traits among successful people analytic professionals. And those three traits, just to close that loop, was a close familiarity with their employer's business needs and culture. They had tremendous people skills. And the third being they had an open mind. And while I thought that was well received by the university students, let's be real, these guys are going out getting a job. They need to know what course to take next semester so they can get hired. So anyway, it was that that formed the thought behind my little project here. So I formed a hypothesis that these three traits I mentioned were common and shared among successful people analytic practitioners. I put together basically what amounted to a small global survey, only 15 questions, not much, a couple demographic, a couple to do with the organization they work, a handful that had to do with their career, and a handful to deal with their background, their aspirations, that sort of thing. And it's those results that we're going to talk about. So it's we're analytics guys out. It's a scientific process. I closed <laughs> the hypothesis. I collect the data. You are going to be my peer review. All right. Well, let's make that happen then. So as you're going through this, you shared uh, before that you were a little taken aback that these are largely behavioral traits because you did ask more about technical attributes or traits that might be associated with success. Is that right? Yeah. And that actually is not a bad segue to get in into some of the insight that we had. You know, the students were asking for something hard, something demonstrable, something they could point to a diploma and say, look what I have. And I just didn't notice that. And if you think of that, when you're in the field at working as an advisor to somebody who has a people analytics practice functioning, you don't really know what their background is. You might know that they report functionally into IT, functionally into HR, but you really don't know what their course of study was. And unless you get close to them, you really don't know what their career background was. So all that came to the forefront during the data collection process, which we're going to talk about. But it was those soft skills that I just noticed. They were, in my mind, as you know, plain as could be in interaction with me and in interaction with their colleagues. Every one of these, what I'd call successful practices, were led by people that had those soft skills that we talked about. So let's just dig into those because when people hear, whether they be a HR leader or just someone in business in general, and they hear people analytics, they think data, they think dashboards and 
colorful charts and predictive modeling and all this, but what I'm hearing based on the work that you've done, it's really about having that growth mindset, that open mind and understanding what needs to happen initially to think about the change downstream. Is that what you found or can you explain more what open mind means to you? Resounding results mimic that. Perfect. Perfect. So a couple things. I'll support all of that. When you look at the employees' backgrounds, the people that responded, most of them currently report into HR, you know, from a functional perspective. You know, that was one of the things we asked them. But what I also asked, what strength in their mind allowed them to be hired? So we're going back to a snapshot in time as to when they took their first role. The leading strength was familiarity with data. You know, three quarters of them felt that their data background was what led the way. You know, then that was followed by HR and some math skills and technology skills, you know, but regardless of where they ported out, everybody felt that it was data that made them the ideal candidate to be hired for that role. But the Mm -hmm. results, when we start comparing that against what was accepted, what results were embraced, totally belie the fact that data familiarity had anything to do with it at all, or technology in general, or math skills in general. Okay, so do I take it away that the understanding of data and how to analyze data was the ante, so to speak? That was the entry into the game, but actual success in the game was predicated on other attributes. Is that a... No, that's spot on. We don't know. We can assume that was important to the hiring manager. So that's a safe assumption, but it does not equate to success. So much so, one of the ways we looked at the data was measured by bifurcating successful versus unsuccessful engagements, initiatives, if you will. When we looked at those that were unsuccessful, the majority of those respondents not only had their number one strength as being data-related, but they had no HR strength listed whatsoever. So think of that. You've taken somebody who might have been an HRIS professional might have been a brilliant data scientist working somewhere. So he's very familiar with data. He has no concept of what life's like in the HR world. He doesn't have the skills to convey any insights that he might have related back in a usable way that would be valued and appreciable by the culture of the organization. So, you know, a technical skill alone isn't cutting it for you. Wow. And just to be clear, we're talking about a successful people analytics initiatives and individuals. So just to draw that distinction. And in so doing, we're looking at not only the attributes of the individual, him or herself, but the system around him or her. And that can be a set of technologies, that can be the openness of the, or business readiness, if you will, of the organization. So the pointed question here is when we talk about initiatives, how are you defining that? Because I imagine that speaks to the system and the project that's being undertaken. Is that right? You're asking all the right questions, Al. It's like I set you up. So a couple of things. Everything was self-selected by the respondents. You know, we asked them to, in their mind, what their strengths were. So it was their perspective as to what the hiring manager saw. We also asked them, would their organization, not their hiring manager, not themselves, but would their organization consider that first initiative a success? So those were the criteria and those were the dimensions that we kind of balanced the results on. And so here's something interesting for you. I measured and I tracked tenure just kind of as a, for instance, a couple of broad bands, less than five years, five to 10 years, and then 10 years and older. 
So listen to this. For us, well, I won't say you, but for old timers like myself. The, the, no, 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 it's, it's, a, it's a we, Joe, it's a we. <laughs> the, the cohort of professionals with more than 10 years in the space came back unanimously saying that they were successful in that engagement, unanimous. And that's gonna lead us down a path that's more than just a feel good moment about us well-tenured people. Because when we further dig down into those unanimous set of successful engagements, 80% of those were given no resources whatsoever. So think of that. Al, I want you to be a people analytics guy. I'm not giving you any tools. I'm not giving you any budget. I'm not giving you any team. But what they did give you, and this is the key, and this is going to be probably the key takeaway of our study. I didn't give you any resources, but what I'm giving you is a definite business problem to define or to, to fix. So in other words, it wasn't vague, go do people analytics. It was this is killing me, fix it, Al. And if you think of it, so as I pondered trying to make some sense around this and how to explain it to people, are you familiar with the concept of the golden circle, the what you do, the how you do it, the why you do it? So think three inner circles, you know, the what we're doing, people analytics, how you do it. Let's keep that open because right now Al has no resources, but the why you do it. I gave you a specific business problem to resolve and so what that forced you to do, because you didn't have a how, you didn't have a specific BI tool or set of technology, you didn't have a team you had to keep busy, it forced you to focus on the problem, not on that artificial solution that you had there. And because you had some of those soft skills that I talked about, you knew what was important to the business and the culture. You were able to go out and interpret that business problem into a way that could be understood within the business. I mean, you came back and conveyed an insight how they would fix it. You had enough people skills. You didn't have any resources, but you had enough people skills to go out and beg, borrow talent, beg, borrow, you know, tools, technology to kind of develop those insights. And then you had that, like I said, that open mind that forced you to think outside the box because you had no how. You had to look at that problem in ways that it could be resolved within your culture and within the availability of resources you have. Does that make yeah. sense? It makes great sense. And it's actually, you know, to put it in terms uh, that, and I'm going to own this bias because we all have our mental models. We all have our structure of interpretations, those set of experiences that mm -hmm. formulate the lens by which we see the world. And if I'm a listener and I'm thinking, well, everything Joe's saying makes perfect sense. And it makes the case for, okay, I'm just going to throw some work at somebody and say, that's a, people analytics initiative and, and make it happen. But to your earlier point, there needs to be some data literacy. There needs to be, you know, that ante to end of the game. So I'll just frame it this way and land with a question for you. My structure of interpretation is framed on what I have historically called the data to change process. And many organizations have taken a data or technology centric approach where they are going to put a bunch of data together, they're going to publish it, throw it out and hope they find an audience for it. And yeah, sometimes it's worked, but more often than not, it has underwhelmed. It's been an expensive undertaking. What I'm hearing you saying in your research is that the leader who's managing the initiative needs to be very, very attentive to the business problems they've been charged with solving. They need to in turn translate that into a data strategy, a technology strategy, really being mindful of the output that they're creating and who they're creating that output for. Is that what you saw based on the research and follow-up that you've done? 
Definitely. And you articulated far better than I could have. Oh, just. So, <laughs> I'm no, not so, accepting yeah. that joke. You go. <laughs> no, 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 you did. It's perfect. So the opposite to scenario I put where there were no resources and there was no data or no business problem being defined. And I still see this every day when I pick up the phone and talk to prospects or if I'm at a, one of your events and I'm talking to somebody at the booth. Think of the scenario where, you know, Al's hired. I want you to do people analytics, Al. You know, I'm your boss. I don't really know what you want to do, but everybody else has a people analytics practice. We should have one. And you're correct. You're absolutely correct. You should have one. But the best way to go about that isn't just looking at different tools. How could I spend my budget? It's better to be more introspective. Look inside the business. Remember, that's one of those traits. What's important to them? And then focus on solving that problem in a way that the business culture will accept it. So don't just, you know, develop a myriad of metrics for the sake of developing them, you know, make sure there's a purpose for them and make sure they're going to be consumed and valued by the right people. And that kind of leads to some very practical conversation to be had. Number one, if you do not tie a people analytics initiative to a business problem, is it really going to get funded? And if it gets launched, is it going to be funded the second year? Budgets are tight and they're about to get a lot tighter. So you better be showing some real business value when you have these type of initiatives. And then secondly, as you're rolling it out, think of those data consumers. Is your company's culture, the type where line business managers are making gut decisions, you know, refusing to deviate from historical processes, or are they going to embrace the results that you bring them? You know, they are what they are. You can't change that. But what you can change is how you introduce these initiatives uh, or these insights that you bring to the table. You know, there's some great stories we've both seen around that. Yeah, I mean, I love what you're saying for a lot of reasons. If I'm a listener and I'm, say, an analyst or manager level or I'm not commissioning these projects at the end of the day, I come to a potential decision point where I see a problem. I hear that executives are dealing with it or maybe there's a group of workers, employees who are dealing with certain issues. And I'm like, you know, how do I elevate this and grab their attention so they in turn take action? So my pointed question, and this might be outside the scope of the study and you might answer it based on your experiences over the years. What have you seen where leaders you know, maybe not have the visibility, they might not commission people analytics lead to solve a particular problem, but it's inverse. It's like, hey, I am looking at all this data. I understand that there is a problem. I need to package it and actually find an audience for it. Is it, I imagine it depends, but do you see that happening as well? It's not uncommon. In matter of fact, a variation of that of some sort would almost always be present. You know, in any reasonable size organization, if you're large enough to do some real meaningful strategic analytics, you're probably big enough to have a whole spectrum of decision makers, people that have been there for a while. You're not going to teach them a new way to run their business. And newer folks that embrace the idea of analytics. We see that in sports continually. So the idea where I've seen, how I've seen it be the most successful, and I'll share you a story of a local Philadelphia company, they use the starve the dog theory. Four specific business units, all of them fiercely independent of each other. Some embrace the concept of analytics when we were bringing it in there. Some wanted, didn't want to talk to us. So you focus on the low-hanging fruit. You made those that embraced him stars. And after a quarter, two quarters, three quarters of showing some very demonstrable results, the analytics team basically just ignored the others, you know, not fighting that. They made heroes out of those that embraced them. And before long, 
everybody else is knocking at the door. We need you. We need you. We need you. That type stuff. So yeah, pick your battles. You know, you're not going to convert everybody immediately. And interestingly enough, you probably don't have the bandwidth to convert everybody immediately. You probably need to work up toward uh, an enterprise level at some sort of a slower pace. Does that make sense to you? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And you know, just to flush this out a bit further, and then I want to talk about the community that has responded to this initiative that you've undertaken to okay. do this, this study. But in terms of the attributes of a successful people analytics initiative, you mentioned focus on a business problem. You mentioned also the need for a people leader that understands the data and also understands the ability to package that and have a focused output to a targeted audience. Any other attributes or traits of successful people analytics initiatives that you would like to highlight? So. The two takeaways that the survey discussion alone would have would be, what is your why? What is that core reason that you even exist? You know, so the defined business problem. I talked about the three traits and I realized that soft skills only get you so far. There's no way to judge the value of, you know, what the hiring manager saw in the CV from a background perspective. And please don't misinterpret me. I'm not saying you don't need familiarity with data. You don't need familiarity with technology or HR processes. To the contrary, it needs to be present somewhere. But the point is that alone will not make you successful. You have to be able to interpret the data and the insights that you're generating and convey it back so that it's valued and usable, which goes to those people skills. Now, I will tell you one insight that you asked for this. What I'm seeing now is people analytic teams, you know, 15 years ago, it was pretty much a lone wolf type endeavor. So now if you're smart, you can take those three traits, soft skills traits, and share them among your team. Everybody doesn't have to be a three letterman. They can have one of those traits and the team itself can project all those qualities, if that makes sense. Yeah. And again, just to tease it out, and this is, I was shamelessly trying to understand this a bit better because there is an HR leader, somebody in the business saying, okay, this is a problem I need solving. There's somebody who understands that and can translate that into data and an analytics project. But there is also that skill as that once that insight is generated to package it and in turn communicate it out and inspire confidence that that is going to require a different action, a, a change, in other words. And that communication outward can be a presentation to a executive leadership team or HR leadership team, or it could be, again, correct me if I'm wrong, automated in a dashboard or set of tools that people within the organization are consuming broadly. So again, just to summarize that, communicating out is a skill in and of itself. Is that what their research reflected as well, whether it be in the data or in your follow-up to understand it more? Oh, sure. And if you think in terms of storytelling, that's fantastic. And I'll tell you a story here. You may be the most brilliant data analyst in the world, and I bring you in to build, do my people analytics team. You know, so you leave from your supply, work for reporting in the supply chain, you come into PA, people analytics, you do the same sort of work. And we talked about the scenario before. You know, my strength is shown by the survey was data, familiarity, but yet I failed. Because one of the other dimensions on there, the majority of the people that failed did not have HR as being listed as one of their strengths. So 
So they might have reported in HR, but it was on a technology level. It was on some other level. So, and this is a great segue to something that came out of these responses. One of the suggestions I'd ask your constituents to think about, your audience to think about, is think about creating an internal course. Consider it HR 101. It's a mistake to assume that data scientists, that data analyst coming over from supply chain is familiar with HR functionality. He may not know anything about recruitment, about learning, about how comp cycles are running. And all of that context is going to be relevant as you're doing your job. Don't make that assumption. And it's the same with a data guy. If you get an IT technology to come over and he has to deal with workday data, success factors data, wherever it might be, don't assume it's just that easy transparency. Everybody that's on your team through this, I'm calling it an HR 101 course, so they understand the value that HR itself brings to the organization, and they understand any of the nuances that they're going to be dealing with now. You know, to be honest with you, not many data scientists have the skill set to go back out and tell a story to where a line manager is going to change it, but that's okay. As long as those traits are somewhere in that team, you know, you can have a person who's primary role is telling the story. That doesn't matter. But just give everybody on your team that context. Yeah, I mean, I love what you're saying. And it cannot be emphasized enough because those who know, know that HR data is different when it's recorded, how it's handled, how it's challenging to aggregate data relative to finance data, you know, you have different org structures, cost center structures, things like that. So you're absolutely spot on, you know, an understanding of that needs to be appreciated broadly by those doing the work. A couple more questions as we start to wrap up here. One is this, is that you mentioned this and I'll own it. I know you will too. We've been around a bit. And yes, there were a lone wolf kind of approach to this. I was part of that in the early 2000s. This was oftentimes someone's part-time job. And now we fast forward nearly 20 years and this is a dedicated profession. People do this work. That being said, just to go back to what you were talking about, even though it's people analytics and it means something, it's also the case that we cannot lose the fact that we're solving problems. So if there's an organization who's not, doesn't have this capability and given COVID-19, it seems like people analytics has elevated in prominence because leaders need to know where their people are, how they're thinking and feeling and so forth. So now it's solving, it's helping solve that is and shed light on a specific problem and what to do about it. So my point of question to you, and it's gonna be my second to last, Given the environment that we're in currently, how do you think this research that you've done fits into what HR leaders and business leaders in general need to be doing to respond appropriately moving forward? So it responds well, and it's a great stepping stone to the second point I made to my university class, if you will. If you think of it, when I got involved with HR technology, everybody was clamoring for a seat at the table, right? It's my contention that HR needs to forget about the seat at the table and start driving the business, much like supply chain used to. You know, and you think of guys like Sam Walton with Walmart, Jeff Bezos with Amazon. They took the supply chain concept and completely blew away retail. And look at them now. And there's absolutely no reason somebody HR professional can't do that. Just, you know, take the HR profession led by people analytics and use that as a driver for the business to take the business into new areas, not only new lines of business, but more importantly, new ways to actually do that business. We saw that in the last month, everybody working from home all of a sudden that previously was not. So why can't they keep that momentum going and just look at what's really, really important to the business 
and figure out a way to meld their workforce into that. Yeah, I couldn't agree more again. So my last question is that you put this survey out to the people analyst community and you were a bit taken aback by not only the quality of the responses, but the quantity of it and how people really opened up to you. Can you speak to that? Yeah, so it gave me some pause, you know, and it made me realize that the people analyst community is a very collegial tribe, if you will, you know, not to get real corny, but family tribe, however you want to look at that. And when you start thinking along those terms, it behooves us, especially those of us that have been around a while, to keep track of how we started, why we started, how we got to where we are today, possibly where we're going, and share that with some of the newer people coming into the space, you know, be it through some mentorship activity. I talked about the HR 101. You know, I'd love to get the best data scientists in any organization working on people analytics, but we have to give them some context. You know, it actually was just uh, very heartwarming out there just to see all the encouraging notes I got from across the globe. So yeah, thank you for asking. Hopefully they'll be tuning in and hearing this podcast. Yeah, well, I imagine many, many will. So, you know, Joe, thanks for doing what you're doing. Thanks for sharing with me today. How can people follow up with you and learn more about your work? Well, thanks for asking that. Welcome to hear from them. One way to get a hold of me is through the Pafal website. I am listed up there. And if they're not on the website, they should be. Plug for you, Al. I am up on LinkedIn. They can go to the one model, onemodel.co and find me there. Yeah, I look forward to hearing from people. All right, Joe. Again, thanks for your time and see you there in Philly for too long, right? I'll look forward to it. All right, sir. Take care. See ya. Thanks for joining the People Analytics and Future of Work podcast with Al Adamson. To find other podcasts, videos, upcoming events, and to join the Global People Analytics Network, please visit us at globalpeopleanalytics.net.